0: So if you're joining us for the first time this week, uh, I'd like to briefly recap what we're doing so that it makes some sense. Uh, But for several weeks now, we've been looking at different hymns of the church, and a lot of those have been historic hymns. Some of those have been more contemporary hymns, but all of them have captured some biblical truth that makes them worth singing. It's not the tune that makes a song worth singing the tune is purposed to help hide that truth within the hymn from scripture in your heart so that as you serve God throughout the week those lyrics might go with you they might even haunt you as we'll hear about this morning this morning we will conclude with a hymn and it is a historic hymn it is probably unfamiliar to All of you. If anybody knows this hymn, let me know afterwards and I'll have a special prize for you. But this is a beautiful hymn of gospel truth, and it's one that I hope will be either a sweet reminder of the gospel to you or perhaps a call home to your heavenly Father. But as we prepare for the understanding and the singing of the hymn, Let's listen to God's Word, which today is taken from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Before I read it, let me say this. John Calvin, that man we consider a great theologian, gifted to the church by God, said this in his book 1 and chapter 1 of his Institutes of the Christian Religion. A very little short statement, but packed with truth. He said, the most important knowledge that one can attain is a right knowledge of God and a right knowledge of self. That you need to know who God is and you need to know who you are. And I think he's right. And that really is the thrust of this parable that Jesus is about to tell. He wants you to know who God is and he wants you to know who you are and he wants you to admit and confess those truths. So what does he say in Luke 15, 1 to 7? He says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, the religious, and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Let's pray and ask God to bless his word in our lives. Our Father and our God, would you now take these few minutes that we have together to consider a knowledge of God and a knowledge of ourselves. And Lord, would you provide that knowledge by your Spirit and from your word. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. This morning, we're going to admit that we are wandering sheep and we've been given an ultimate shepherd. We are wandering sheep and we've been given an ultimate shepherd. I have 3 brief points for you and the first is this. We are like sheep. And I know that sounds so simple and so basic. For some of you, you're like, is this Vacation Bible School for children? Why is he telling us we're like sheep? We've heard this all of our lives. Well, there's a reason why that's the first point of the sermon. It's because it's Jesus's point in his parable. Ezekiel would make the same point to, to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Isaiah would make the same point to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. The church from beginning to end has always been told you are like sheep because there's a powerful message for us to understand in identifying with sheep. So how are we to identify with sheep? Well, Jesus says in Luke 15, one way that we can identify with sheep is that every single sheep is of ultimate value to the good shepherd. When he loses one, when one wanders and strays, he will leave the 99 and all of their value and all of their importance, and he will pursue the one. And that tells us the value of the sheep and the character and nature of a good shepherd. And so it's a sweet sweet point. We're all like sheep, which means every single one of us is beloved of God when we're of his fold when we're of His people. We're beloved of God. Isn't that a sweet point? It is. But there's more reasons that we are like sheep that Scripture reveals, and the second one is this. It's because sheep are prone to wander and to stray. That's what Isaiah said that we heard as our call to worship in chapter 53, verse 6. He says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all and that him would be the ultimate shepherd, the lamb himself who took away the sins of the world. And so we are like sheep because you and I are prone to wander and we're prone to stray. We're also like sheep because we are not so smart or wise some might say dumb and because we are defenseless sheep are known to be dumb and defenseless and those really aren't my words uh, Tim Challey's quotes on sheep this way he says do a little bit of reading about sheep and you'll soon see that they are not survivors They are not strong and independent creatures. They're not proud hunters or fierce predators. They're actually kind of pathetic, he says, entirely dependent upon a shepherd because they are dumb and defenseless. First, sheep are dumb, he says. This is all Tim Challies. Sheep are dumb. Here's an actual news story out of eastern Turkey that gives ample evidence that sheep are dumb. Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their death when their shepherds abandoned them for breakfast. Four hundred sheep fell 15 meters to their deaths, in a ravine in a province near Iran but those 400 who fell broke the fall of the next 1,000 that followed them and fell upon them those 1,000 survived and the loss to the local farmers was estimated to be $74,000 it's a true news story Sheep are dumb. They will follow each other to the point of death off of a cliff, just following the sheep in front of them, following the sheep in front of them. Scripture says that you and I can be that way, blindly following blind leaders. Chalice goes on to say sheep are also defenseless. They have no fight. They have no claws. They have no fangs. They have no venom. They have no spines or quills or talons. They have nothing to protect themselves. Likewise, they can't flee. Sheep aren't fast, and they aren't agile, especially when their wool is long, and even more so when their wool is wet. And sheep don't have wings, he says. In short, sheep, when they stray from a shepherd, are a quick meal to any number of predators that would consume them. The scripture says that we are like sheep, and we are like sheep indeed. We are vulnerable to prey. We're vulnerable as prey to predators. And we're even vulnerable, listen to this, to our own appetites. One of the things a shepherd was charged to do as he tended to the sheep was to make sure that the sheep didn't get into poisonous weeds, to things that would harm them, to things that would kill them. And so sheep have appetites that can kill themselves. They can hunger, they can thirst for things that will devour them. I've been talking to the youth at the GPC youth group, which does not meet tonight as a reminder, but I've been talking to them about our appetites, our physical appetites, and that in a fallen world, our appetites actually consume us. They devour us, and so it is with sheep. So it is according to Scripture. That's the first point. We are all like sheep. Secondly, we are all like sheep, who are in dire need of a shepherd. We are all like sheep that are in dire need of a shepherd. The role of a shepherd, as you know, was a simple one. They were to lead. They were to provide. They were to protect. They were to pursue lost sheep. And they were even to turn sheep right side up, When they were upside down. Now, this is true, but this is a common problem with sheep. They would find themselves what is called being cast down. A sheep that is cast down is a sheep that is either on its side or on its back and it can't get up because of the weight of its own wool. That's why the psalmist says to himself, Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's revealing the picture of a sheep that is down in the dumps, that can't get up. The weight of its own sin, the weight of its own wool, is too much for him to rise up out of his lowness. And so a shepherd would literally turn a sheep right side up, put him back on his feet, and hurry it on its way to catch up with the others. And so we are like sheep in dire need of that shepherd. Have you had that experience in your life where you have self-identified, to use a modern phrase, where you have self-identified as having a life that is upside down and in need of being turned right side up? If you've had that experience, that's called being a Christian and coming to faith in Jesus. Because the scripture says we all were like sheep gone astray. But the Lord has come. He has turned us right side up and given us his fold, his church, and said, these are your people. Now go and be with them. The truth is the scriptures warn us that there are in this life unfaithful shepherds, unfaithful shepherds who do not lift up, cast down sheep, who do not lead, protect, provide. We do not do the things a shepherd is to do. Ezekiel warns God's people about that in chapter 34, verses 1 through 6. Very quickly, listen to this as it prepares us for the need of having a true shepherd. Ezekiel says this, the Lord through Ezekiel says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You've not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You've ruled them harshly and brutally so that they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep, the Lord says, wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. And they were scattered over the whole earth. And no one searched for them or looked for them. And here's the Lord bemoaning the state of his church, the state of Israel in the Old Testament, saying, my shepherds, my ministers, my prophets, my priests have failed to tend to my sheep. And so what does that do? But it points to the need of our having a good shepherd. Would the Lord stand by and watch his flock go untended? No. The third point of our sermon this morning is simply this. We are all like sheep that are in dire need of a shepherd. And God the Father has given God the Son, Jesus, to be our ultimate shepherd. We're all like sheep in dire need of a shepherd. What could we do? But God the Father sent God the Son to be. The ultimate shepherd. And that is exactly what he promised through Ezekiel he would do. Picking up in verse 11 of Ezekiel 34. For this is what the sovereign Lord says about that predicament of not having a good shepherd. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep, says the Lord. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture. And the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. As the Lord looked at his sheep, as he looked at his flock in their predicament, he said there is but one thing that can be done for them. My shepherds, they're unfaithful. I will shepherd them. I will turn up the cast down sheep. I will care for my flock. And in the New Testament, we know that Jesus fulfills that very promise. In John chapter 10, verse 11 and 14, he says this. This is the words of Jesus. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father... And I lay down my life for the sheep. You see, Jesus here self-identifies as the fulfillment of God's promise in Ezekiel that he would come and tend to the flock. He would pursue the lost. He would turn up the cast down individual sheep. He would be the loving shepherd that you and I are dying for. Isaiah 53, verse 6, the same passage we began the service with, says the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that's what our ultimate shepherd would do. He would lay down his own life for his sheep. The ultimate act of sacrifice, the ultimate act of love. And through this, he would call the people to himself. He would call sheep to himself who respond to his voice, Maybe not immediately. Maybe it took years of hearing the voice. But they would come, and they would come indeed, and they would respond to the voice of the ultimate shepherd. I close this morning with two stories, and I know that it's hot, but I promise you there's beauty in these stories if I could but convey it in this heat. The first story is a man named Francis Thompson. What you need to know about Francis Thompson is that he was born in the 1800s in England. He was born the son of a medical doctor. And I know we have a lot of medical doctors here. This Francis Thompson was born under a great deal of pressure from his father, which maybe is a good word for Father's Day. Francis Thompson's dad was a successful doctor, and Francis himself would go off to medical school. Not so much because he wanted to, but it was the thing to do. He was more of a liberal arts kind of guy. He loved to study history and English, and he seemed to be interested in writing poetry. But his father was not interested in that kind of a career. He didn't have much respect for it. And so he followed his father's will, and he went to medical school. After the required years of medical school, and over the course of seven years, Francis Thompson would fail his medical exams to graduate and to finish. He failed them three times over seven years. And in depression, feeling cast down because of his failure to please his father, he wrote a note and left it on his sister's dresser and said, I'm going to London and I'm going to be a poet. So he left his family, he left his father, he went to London, England and unfortunately things did not work out for this poet. He suffered from some physical ailments and the only relief he found at that time from the ailments of this life was in what was called laudanum which was a liquid opium used for medicinal purposes. At the time, they did not understand the strong, addictive nature of laudanum. He became addicted to it, and he would live on the streets of London, unable to hold down a job, unable to do anything but to sell newspapers, and eventually matches. He sold matches to the public. But in all of that filth of living by the river and living under overpasses. He would find paper and every once in a while he would scribble out what he felt gifted and called to do. He would scribble out little poems and one day at the end of his wits he took the last little bit of money that he had and he folded up some poems on dirty paper, dingy paper, and he mailed them to a local magazine. He said, I apologize that these are so filthy These are my circumstances. I wonder if these could be of use to you. The editor of the magazine was fascinated with his writing, but he had no way to get in touch with Francis Thompson until finally he found him and called him in, saw that he was addicted to laudanum, to the opium, and sought to help him clean up his life and to use his God-given gifts. Eventually, Francis Thompson would be sent to a monastery to help him clean up and break his addiction. And after some time there, as he began to be freed from some of the powerful effects of the addiction, he began to write freely and beautifully. It says, it said of him that it was if he changed as a man because he would walk around singing. His heart was lifted. And while he was at that monastery, he wrote what would be his most famous hymn, excuse me, poem, not a hymn, titled The Hound of Heaven. And I would read that poem to you if it wasn't six pages long, but it has become a cherished piece of Christian literature as he revealed in his poem what was an autobiography of his own life that he was like the hare, the rabbit, being pursued by the hound of heaven, God himself. And the poem, as it reveals his life of ups and downs, he says, I fled God. I ran from him as quickly as I could, but there were always footsteps chasing me as the hound of heaven pursued me. And by the end of the long poem, And it's archaic, it's difficult to read and understand unless you have an appetite for that. But by the end of the poem, God says to him, I took all the false joys out of your hand so that you might find your true fulfillment in the one who could give you everything you were always looking for. And it's a beautiful hymn. There's a modernization of it available on YouTube that I think is beautifully done. If you don't know what to do this week, go read The Hound of Heaven by Francis Thompson. Watch his history that reveals the darkness of his life and the hope of the gospel. And I share that story to you in the heat, and it's a long story, but because of this. It captures what it is to be a sheep cast down in need of a shepherd that would constantly pursue and never give up a relentless love, a hessed love, for those who remember. And it is a beautiful portrayal of the gospel where he ultimately, Francis Thompson, understood who he was as a lost sheep and would admit it. And he ultimately understood the knowledge of God that he was the one good shepherd in this life. It is a powerful illustration of the truth of what Jesus has said about the 1 versus the 99. It's also a crystallized picture of the hymn that we're now going to sing. The hymn written by Horatius Bonar, also in the 1800s. And, And I'll just say this about the hymn. It captures everything that's been said this morning about the shepherd and about the sheep. And it's so self-explanatory, I won't try to explain it to you other than this. When we sing this hymn, don't just mouth the words. I really think a hymn like this leads you to one of two conclusions. And I'll close with this. Either this hymn, as you sing it and know it and feel it, either it is for you a sweet remembrance of what God has done in your personal life or it's a call home it's a call home to your heavenly father for the first time because you've never known him in a way that a sheep is to know the shepherd it's one of those two things it's either sweet remembrance of God's intimate work in your life or it's a call home A call to come to the shepherd. Let's pray that it would be that for you. Sweet remembrance or a call home. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the beauty of your word. We thank you for the simplicity of your word, that it would speak to us about things that we can understand. Sheep and shepherds. We understand the lost and ornery nature of a creature. We understand a need for a shepherd who cares, one who doesn't abandon the sheep for breakfast, but one who remains with the sheep and pursues the sheep. Lord, thank you for Heradius Bonar and a sweet remembrance of the gospel. For us this morning, may it warm our hearts, even on Father's Day, or Lord, may it call us home, to admit that we have not known the shepherd we've not known his voice we've not loved his voice but lord would you work in us in such a way that we want to not only know this shepherd but for others to know this shepherd as well we ask this and we pray it together in jesus name amen